Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. See, we even got that down this morning. Great job, guys. I invite you to open your Bible in front of you as well. It's always good to remember that we are people of a book um, and to uh, look into it from time to time. So you're welcome to do that as well this morning. But hear God's word for us from Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three asiyas of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near the tree, he stood near them. Under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is God's word for us this morning. I love fellowship meals, otherwise known as potlucks. Especially church ones, because you come down and after, after a service and there's just tables and tables, well, a couple of tables at least, usually, of great, delicious food. And even as a former pastor, I never had to worry that I wouldn't have anything to eat, because there was always way more than enough. This morning we read a story about a fellowship meal. And as we do and think about it, I want to think about... Another kind of fellowship meal, which is completely different in terms of its size. It's just a piece of bread and a little glass of juice. We'll get to that as we get through the, towards the end of the message again, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that is the background for what we are 
going to consider this morning as we think about this visit that God has with Abraham and Sarah in the middle of the day. And our focus this morning is on what God is doing here. God is the one who arrives at Abraham's tent. He's also the one who accepts Abraham's hospitality and then affirms not Abraham's faith, but his own intention to uphold Abraham in his faith. So there you have the three points. If you want to keep track of them, he arrives, he accepts, and he affirms. I'll leave that one go. So anyway, Jesus, or the Lord appears to Abraham at the tent that he is under while he is in memory. And he comes, and Abraham uh, receives him, and the Lord's arrival is interesting to me because he comes as a human being. Which is unusual for God in terms of his relationship with Abraham to this point. In Genesis 12, God comes to Abraham and says, "Go to the land of to the land where I'm going to where I will show you and there I will make you into a great nation." Perhaps it was the spirit moving Abraham to take that action, to take his family and his father and to head from Ur to, towards Canaan. It is God who comes again and encourages him after his father dies and says, you need to move on from Haran. You need to go to the land that I'm going to show you. And then God and Abraham have a number of conversations together, and, and we hear about them in the preceding chapters. He comes as God Almighty, as the one who is Lord of heaven and earth, and he declares that he is going to enter into covenants with Abraham. On one occasion, he comes as a flaming fire pot and, and enters a covenant in, in, in that moment is saying to Abraham, I am taking full responsibility for this relationship that you have with me. I will see it through. A little bit later, he comes again and, and reminds Abraham that he's going to have, um, have a son. And again, he comes as the great Lord and the Lord of all the earth. But here we read that he comes as a regular visitor. He comes as God with flesh on to meet with Abraham, his friend. We see in the larger story that God and his uh, angels who have come, these three people have come because they're going on to Sodom and Gomorrah and it's kind of like God decided, hey, this is a great time for us to go visit my friend Abraham. So that's what they did. Reminds me of someone else who is God with skin on, who came many centuries later, our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2 that he is... Uh, that he was willing not to hold on to being equal with God in terms of his glory and his power and his authority, but to put that aside in order to become like us. In order to come not as God Almighty, but as friend and Lord. In John chapter 15, 
He tells his disciples, you are my friends because you know my father's business. And you are my friends if you do what I command, which is to love one another. Jesus comes to us as friend, as someone who has been in our place, as someone who stooped to our level because of his love and compassion for us. He arrived at our door, spiritually speaking, as a friend. The Lord of heaven and earth comes to us. The Lord accepts Abraham's hospitality. Abraham offers them food, and they agree, and so he goes and he runs to Sarah and says, hey, make your best bread, you know, the one that nobody else can duplicate, the one that is just the most delicious, that you know that I love. He goes to the, um, the uh, pastures, he finds a calf, he orders someone to fix it just the right way, the best way that it'll taste, because he wants to present his best to his guests. And while all of this is going on, they're waiting patiently. And they receive his his offering, and they welcome the food that he brings to them. And they enjoy fellowship together. Think, too, of Jesus and what he does. He comes and he has fellowship with sinners like you and I. Jesus had no problem accepting invitations for anything, for for food, whether it be uh, a rich, um, well-placed religious leader or a tax collector or, um, or any others who would welcome him into his house, into their home. In fact, he got a reputation for being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A reputation for being one who was willing to meet people in their place. Revelation 3, Jesus says uh, to the church and to us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will enter in and we will have fellowship together. The Lord here with Abraham accepts Abraham's hospitality. Our Lord Jesus Christ accepts the hospitality of anyone who is willing to ask him to come in. He's a friend not just of the rich and the righteous and the holy and the upright, but of regular people like you and I. And that's encouraging to us to remember The Lord loves us that much. That he's willing to meet us where we are. Thirdly, the Lord affirms his intention to uphold Abraham and Sarah in their faith. He talks about Sarah. Where is is she? And perhaps the the initial thought of Abraham and Sarah is he's going to say thank you for the food. But no, he has something more important to say. He says, Sarah will have a child by this time next year. 
And Sarah laughed. And you have to um, excuse Sarah for her laughter because this has been something that has been on Abraham and Sarah's heart for so long that it just seems improbable, if not untrue. Again, in chapter 12, God calls Abraham and he says to him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And time passes. How is that going to happen? Abraham is wondering with God, how is that going to happen? And in, uh, I think it's Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham again and he essentially says the same thing. You are going to have a son. At that time, Abraham is thinking, well, uh, I don't have a child yet. I have a, a faithful servant who will be my heir. Maybe he's the one that you're talking about. God says, no, you're going to have a son. Abraham and Sarah get together and figure, okay, we're going to help God along. And they uh, end up with Ishmael. And God comes back again another time in chapter 17 and he, or chapter 16, and he um, says again, you're going to have a son. And Abraham suggests, well, maybe it's going to be, it should be Ishmael. And says, I will bless Ishmael, but no, Sarah will have a child. And time continues to pass. So for like some 27 or 25, 27 years, they've been living with this awareness that something isn't quite right. So when God says again the third time, Sarah's going to have a son, it would be natural that Sarah's going to laugh, right? But Sarah does have a son, and he's given the name Isaac, which means laughter, and perhaps that was partly a reminder of their skepticism, But also, as in the case of Naomi in the story of Ruth, her pain and her sorrow was replaced with laughter because now God had done for her, and as he does for Abraham and Sarah, something that brings joy and happiness once again. In Genesis 3, Paul picks up on this event to a certain degree, and he talks about uh, the promise that God makes to Abraham and to his seed, and the seed that uh, God is referring to here keeps pushing them toward is going to be Isaac, and the seed of Isaac is the one through whom God will bless the world, bless the nations, all who trust in God will be blessed because of him, and that seed is Jesus who comes and promises, not only does he come to dwell with us and to die for us, but to assure us that his intention, the intention of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is still in the works. His intention, God's intention, is that we live forever with him in his world. Jesus said, if I'm going away to to my father's house, if it were not so, I would have told you. But if I go, I will come back to take you to be where 
I am. This is great news. But it also has been many years since Jesus said that to his church, to his disciples, to his church. And there are many who perhaps scoff at that. Why do you still hope in that? So God provided, the Lord provided a fellowship meal to help us to think about and to remember and to affirm his intention for us that we might believe and be saved. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took a cup, or he took bread and he took a cup and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. It's a new covenant. Every time we eat it, we are to remember his death until he comes again. When we celebrate communion, we celebrate perhaps the smallest fellowship meal compared to the ones that we typically enjoy, but perhaps also the most meaningful. God, who is Lord of heaven and earth, who created all things, who redeems those he chooses, who redeems the world, came in the flesh to meet with his friends. You and I, you know, like Jesus is a descendant of Isaac, so too we are descendants of Abraham and Sarah by faith. And he symbolically, as God comes to Abraham and Sarah here, he comes to us and says, you are my friends. And Jesus died and he rose and he ascended back to his father. And he's coming again. And every time we celebrate that, we celebrate what he has done and what it means for us. It affirms us in our faith, assures us that what we believe about God is true, that he will take us to be with him in due time. So where does that leave us today? Again, Jesus says, a couple of times, we've talked about it already this morning, but again, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command, which is to love one another. If we believe, if we accept what we have heard this morning, then we love one another. And we do it every day, every hour, every minute. Not only one another, but the people with whom he has us work and meet We show his love and his compassion because we are his friends. Because he has chosen us, because he has made us his friends. Then we also need to hear the words again of Revelation chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. And anyone who opens that door, I will come in and I will fellowship with him. Don't forget to let Jesus in and enjoy great fellowship with him. Find a way to do that regularly. This is part of it. It also involves faithful reading, faithful prayer, anything, whatever it is that 
allows you to know that Jesus is your friend. And more than that, your Savior and Lord. That reminds you of what he calls us to do and how we should live. But again, the story is about what God does. God came in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Jesus enters into wherever people are willing to receive him. He is a friend of sinners as well as a friend of the righteous. And he calls us to be like him in the way that we live. But he also assures us that we have a great future because he lives. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lord Jesus, you have called us friends because you want us to know that you love us, that we are more than just servants, that we are more than just people who uh, live on this earth and pass on and nobody remembers, but that we are people that you remember, people who have received the blessing of knowing that you will come to take us to be where you are. Lord, help us to live each day in that awareness in a way that brings glory to you. Because we want to say thank you. We want to uh, do our part to love one another and to follow your leading. Guide us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Revive Us Again.